500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the phantom the ghost who walks the phantom enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds G'day everyone, and for those who came in late, you're listening to Expand, the Phantom Podcast. This is episode 148, Comics and News. My name is Dan Fraser, and I'm joined today by Stephen East and Jermaine Parker. How are you, Stephen? I'm very well, thank you, Dan. And yourself? Yeah, really good, mate. Um, thank you for joining us, and really happy to be talking Phantom tonight. And Jermaine, yourself as well? Yeah, I'm here. Um, it's yeah, no, it's it's good. It's good to talk phantom. It's good to escape um, away from the trials of uh, of life and having absolutely. And, and look, we can't, we cannot go any further in the March uh, comics and news, March of 2020, um, without mentioning briefly what's going on in the world and acknowledging uh, the COVID 19 virus, because of course. Uh, it's affecting all of our everyday lives and Chronicle Chamber, uh, other than Jermaine, who's just obsessed. <laughs> uh, we, we probably had to take a step back necessarily from the podcast and the, the website a little bit because um, real life is ramping up in the preparation for uh, possibly real life ramping down again. Um, we, we just don't know and nobody knows at this stage. Um, we do know from a, from a fandom perspective, though, it's really important to acknowledge that people uh, who are affected by this virus all around the world. And I'd, I'd like to start, um, gents, if you don't mind, with talking about the Italian artists who have contributed, um, oh, well, Italy, Italy fans in general, but um, because of the artists who have contributed to the, the Bushfire Appeal book, um, Massimo Gamberi, Luca, uh, Ciro, Sal, Polau, and Dan, uh, Don, sorry, uh, all, all artists who identify as Italian and have Italian families, and um, Anthony Gillies, I know you have many Italian friends and, and so many of uh, the world who have connections to Italy and the, you know, the horror that they're going through at the moment. Um, and uh, there's that, of course. And we know from watching social media and all the rest of it and, and the news that lots of other fandom people are affected around the world. Anyone who follows Mike Manley on social media uh, on Facebook knows that he's very concerned about what's going on. We don't hear a great deal from Tony DePaul. Um, the the artist, sorry, the author, whereas Mike's the artist, the author on the daily strips, but we know that Tony DePaul uh, is in America and and is recovering from cancer at the moment or fighting against cancer at the moment, which clearly puts him in a vulnerable category, so he would be massively worried. Um, other fans and older fans, um, the fan <coughs> we know is a, a podcast, uh, is a, sorry, the fan we know is a character that is um, beloved largely be older fans and so lots of them will be worried as well and so we acknowledge that and even um through publications in australia just even today have acknowledged that they're going to be working from home for the near future and the effect that might have on the publishing and the subscribers and that's a very small very <laughs> very small um part of the big problem globally um but uh, there's just a lot of uh, fan of people affected at the moment um so we hope that everybody is able to find their own deep woods and 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 you know Back, go back into that, keep into their own skull cave and socially distance from everybody in that way. And we just hope that while you're in isolation, if, or if that's what you need to be, that you can find your own chronicle chamber 
and um, read, read <laughs> the comics. Um, get, get back in touch with your phantoming. I know that if I was in isolation, I'd have probably at least one of my two weeks would be spent uh, cleaning up my skull cave and, and filing my comics and all the rest of it. Um, so hopefully there's some entertainment there. We know that um, Sydney Supernova and Leafwood Memorial Bengali Explorers Club dinner is likely to be cancelled. Those haven't come through at the moment, but it's hard to see how they go forward in the present space. So, um, gents, just a really quick word from you guys before we move forward about um, all of that and the way that the, the, the current climate is affecting phantoming in general. Um, and a free comic book day has been postponed as well. Yeah, there you go. Yep. I guess just be safe. Um, you know, use this as an excuse to read some Phantom comics. I was talking to um, uh, Ivan or Oven, uh, who we actually mentioned in the uh, last podcast, and he's been digging out some uh, some Phantom comics. He dug out all the Moberg Mitten um, uh, Phantom stories and reread those because of a post that we put up on Facebook. Um, so just just be safe. Uh, I guess the big thing is we want this to be a nice escape, escapism, this podcast. And so, we, and um, I guess, yeah, we're not going to dwell. This, we want to get it all out at the front and then we can just yep. have some fun. Let's have some fun um, and yep. uh, be safe at the same time. Yep, absolutely. So I guess uh, wash, your, wash your hands, uh, sit down and, and put the, the freshly sanitised headphones on and just enjoy the rest of the podcast is, <laughs> is what we're saying. So it is a comics yeah. and news podcast, gents, um, where we're going to review and look back at all the news that's happened um, in, uh, since our last comics and news podcast, which I guess is half of February and most of March now. Um, and, and look at what's been going on in the fandom world. Now, Jermaine has put the, uh, the run sheet together and I'm um, going through it. And first up, we have the, the Bushfire book. So um, Bushfire Appeal Fundraiser, um, the, the book I've already shown it once and I'll mention it again now. And if you're on YouTube, um, you, can, you can see the book as, um, that I'm holding up there. But guys, um, we're now well and truly into the, the fundraiser and, and with all of the other things that are going on in the world, this, we, we're probably coming to the end of the fundraiser as well. Um, mm. what, have, what have been your experiences with uh, what, we've, what we've been up to? Overwhelmingly positive. Everyone who's seen the book that, um, that, I've, seen, that I've shown it off to has been blown away from it, from my six-year-old to the, to the lady who runs a local comic shop to um, a, a teacher at work who was a former fan back when he was younger. And um, he's now about 68 or something. And, and I showed it to him just the other day. And he, was, he thought, you guys did this. I said, yeah, me and a couple of mates, we, you know, sit around and talk family. I haven't talked family in ages, he's saying. And he's <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's overwhelmingly positive. And, and um, big shout out if any of my family are listening now that they've picked up the, the Phantom book. Thank you once again for uh, <laughs> picking up the fa- uh, Phantom Bushfire fundraiser. Yeah, it's... Um it's been fun. It's, overall, it's been fun. Um, just been enjoying, I guess, just getting to meet and uh, communicate with some new artists that you haven't spoken to or haven't connected with before, so that's always been good. Uh, it's been a long-time dream of mine. I remember it would have been 12 and I started uh, drawing my own Phantom story. It was uh, actually how Lubunga died and lost the presidency. 
Um, I will admit he got his head chopped off. He didn't die the way in the uh, free <laughs> comic. Uh, there might have been a little bit of uh, Braveheart influence there, you know, with the old basket and they lifted it up and there was the head. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I wasn't watching Braveheart when I was 12. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it was, um, it's always been a long time dream of mine to produce something licensed. So that, from mm. a personal point of view, it's been good. But I guess from a, uh, from an overall point of view, being able to raise 20,000 plus for, uh. You know, that's just, you know, that, that's a dream. Incredible, you know, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And we've said it before, you know, we might be able to donate $50 or $100 here, but basically because we were able to get together, we'll be able to, we were able to produce, you know, $20,000 yeah. collectively as a group. And you know, yep. that's, that's huge. And that and that's, um, that, was, that figure's accurate to about 10 days ago, I think it was the last time, um, seven days ago. Uh, it was the last time we actually um, put the sums together again. There's still, and, and up front, there's right now 75 books still available um, as we record this at 10 p.m. Queensland time on the 20th of March. Um, so if uh, you are keen on one of those bushfire books, they are running out. I, um, I know that in the, in the, the, the TV news segment, one of the clips they chose to play of mine was the fact that we we might do a second print. I think we can put that off the table now, mm. don't you guys? We're not gonna, we're not going to do a second print. There will only ever be yeah. um, four hundred copies of this book. Yeah, and it was something we've debated about long and hard. We've we've looked at the positives. We've we've looked at the negatives. We've looked at doing a hardcover edition. We've looked at doing, uh, and um, that's not off the table. Must be said. We've looked at doing badges, stickers, and all that type yep. of stuff. But I guess just with today's climate, we just thought, let's just do these. We'll sell these 400. And then I guess, you know, yeah, like you said, we may look at doing a limited edition hardcover down the, down the track. But at yeah. this stage... I suppose, I suppose one of the ways we'd know for sure if the Phantom community was keen on badges, stickers, um, yeah. a hardcover version, prints, whatever... Idea of the book then by all means email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com um you know the people who are listening to this are the most hardcore fans we're, we're not going to print another version of the book that um or, or, or do a second print run as it stands maybe a really limited edition of where what are we talking 25 30 hardcover books maybe um, if the demand's and, there if only if the demand's there that's exactly right so so if um, you want it you need to let us know correct yeah, very good. Um, well, I think, um, you know, it was a bit of a milestone today where we had our 200th order for the book come in online, which was, which was pretty cool just to see it tick over there. Yeah, I don't know at what point we'll do this to celebrate. And maybe you've got some ideas, Jim, because you put this down. But um, we do have the, the original art for Keith Williams's contribution to the Bushfire book. Um, and that will go up as a faffle. So whether we do that to maybe celebrate the last book um, and I'm just saying this for the first time. Question without notice, gents. Uh, didn't didn't flag this at all. Just sort of thought of this five minutes ago. Um, maybe we do this to celebrate the last book being sold, or at some other point in the not too distant future, um, and do this as a, as another one of the faffles um, that was so successful about a month ago. Just bringing a little bit closer for those who are on YouTube. Yep. We'll be able to have a bit of a look. There's a bit of a glare. Is there like a plastic sheet on it or something? Yeah. There is a plastic sheet here. I'll just take that off. Sorry. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the run sheet, not the artwork. So, <laughs> uh. so if you're on YouTube, <laughs> go have a look. Uh, Dan, you do some speaking so that way people can look at it. Sorry, I should have had it this way the whole time along. But uh, you can see there, um, and it's on page. And I'll just 
drop this down very quickly while I find it in the book. It's on page 47, so you can see there that it is a, a, an artwork that's been published in this book, and if that is something that floats your boat, anyway, just let, um, you know, keep an eye on our Facebook and our Twitter and our Instagram because that will be, that will be coming up as a, as a faffle at some point in the next little while. Yeah, awesome. Very good. Um, on bushfire fundraisers, did you guys check out the Australian Birds? I know it's not our book, but we're not the only ones who have done a bushfire book. Um, there's also Australia Burns um, that's come out. Have you guys checked mm. that one out and had a look? Mine arrived today, and I haven't opened it yet because I'm tempted to do some sort of reactions video, to be honest. Ah, right uh, so so it, it's in there. Um, what about you, Jim? Uh, no, mine hasn't arrived yet. Uh, I've been um, I've been late in ordering it. <laughs> well, mine was at my local comic shop, um, and I haven't. There's a couple of pro stories in there that I haven't read, but um, plenty of comic stories and, and plenty of um, of poster type prints. Um, I enjoyed it. There's plenty of friends of the fandom in here, friends friends of the podcast. Um, Jamie Johnson, of course, he's on the on the inside cover. You may have seen that on his on his socials. He's been he um, has shared that one about Andrew O'Dwyer. Um, but he's also got another one inside the inside the, the book. Also, Dale McCanty, his story was a real tearjerker in this one. Um, I don't want to say too much, Dan, because if you're going to do a reaction to it, I don't want um, to... Oh, it, it, have anyone. at it, mate. It, <laughs> it's only going to be people who watch, um, what are we, 20 minutes into the, the YouTube <laughs> who see this. So, no, yeah. no, show us what you've got. Um, oh, I don't know that much. I was just going to tell, say a bit much, but I'll say a little bit about um, you know the people who who have contributed not only to our uh, fundraiser, but have also done double duty and, and contributed to the to the more general uh, comic book in Australia burns. So, um, big shout out for those people who who did double duty. Um, of course, Grange Wallace, uh, Grange Wallace, and Dean um, Rankin would be another two that I know have contributed. That's exactly right. And Grange has got the. Granger's got the uh, the reverse cover, the back cover. Oh, cool! There with Killaroo. Um, I think the front cover's Camilio, isn't he? Uh, he's another one who has who's contributed to both for sure. Yep, Camilo, you are correct. So there you go. They got they got the Phantom artist to be the uh, plenty of Phantom artists in there. The front and the, the back. The front and the back and the inside because they know that you know they're the better ones. So <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, and I know Tom Taylor's a real famous fellow, and I do like his work. And we get like with um, the Injustice comics and um, what he's done with the Deep, which is a which is a kids comic. But um, his story at the end kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> but the rest of it's great. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. All right. Very good. Um, I've got distracted and I'm watching the uh, the YouTube video now of Steve showing us that. Um, so, Mikkel's, um, uh, Mikkel's card game. Well, let's move on from the Bushfire book. Um, we have got uh, Mikkel Leek from Sweden, who, friend of the podcast, has, um, and, and you'll hear him later when he talks about the, uh, the Swedish books. Um, he's re releasing a card game, and we've got some really exciting news about the timing of that. And as with everything, obviously, asterisks um, pending the future, but but there's plans at the moment anyway. Uh, Jermaine, do you want to? Jermaine, do you want to give us a bit of a, a spiel about that? Well, I think Mikel actually is going to be recording something about it, so we'll handball it off to Mikel. Hi, it's me, Mikel here. I usually give you some short reviews of the Swedish 
from Torment Publications. But as I hope most of you know, I'm also working on the Phantom the Card Game, a 1-2-2 player co-op game with a strong theme and a rich campaign. If you want this game to become a reality, I need your help. On the 1st of May the Kickstarter will open for business, and it's crucial to get a lot of backers early in the campaign for the algorithms to generate more traction. If you want more information about the game, search Facebook for The Phantom The Card Game and follow the page. And to get even more information, join the newsletter. That link is also on the Facebook page. Thank you for listening and happy phantoming. Thanks, Mikkel. How awesome does that sound, guys? Oh, mate, I'm really excited. Um, May is my birthday month and my birthday is right at... <laughs> is it? Oh, there you go. Well, mine's right at the end. No, I'm in the middle. Um, Okay, so hopefully somewhere around the middle, we have certainly covered the uh, the Kickstarter tally to, to get it produced. And by my day, right at the end, um, 31st, we are locked in and getting all of the pledge levels and um, bonus stuff that, uh, that might come with the Kickstarter. Very exciting. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, uh, my daughter's in the middle as well, 14th. Um, so yeah, now that there's something cool coming out soon for, which will be just for the Kickstarter. So when we get those, we'll, uh, do a proper announcement for that. Um, mm -hmm. now we've, would it be worth saying Jermaine that it'd be a good idea to be a Patreon at that time at the 1st of May? Yeah. You want to be a Patreon. Okay. So we kind of, <laughs> we kind of gave something a little way last time. So let's give it a little bit. A little bit more away. So basically what it is, it's a card game. And for those who don't know, you use your cards and you can put stuff down to, prog to progress in the game. There's going to be a special limited card that can be played in that game. And only the Patreons will get it. I'd love that. This is perhaps yes. the best, and, and, and I know Patreons have only just had their name produced in the Bushfire book and all that sort of stuff, but I think this is, uh, uh, look, if you're listening and you've ever been, oh, maybe I should be on Patreon, this is a really good idea. This is a good time to jump on board uh, with, this, <laughs> with the only exception that the Australian dollar is currently as bad as it's ever been against <laughs> the US dollars and, and Patreon subscribers are in US dollars. But, it's, but the, while the... Yes. Phantom Preservation Project, the P3, is only available to $5 subscribers. This offer is going to be to every subscriber, if, whether it's a dollar a month or, or $100 a month, whatever you can afford. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, definitely. So now that, that, that's pretty exciting. Um, we'll do a proper announcement of that when we get them. They have been printed. Uh, they have been delivered um, to Mikel, and then they'll be delivered to us in Australia um, in the very near future. Um, so we've just been sorting that out as well. So it's, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and we've got a couple of, we've got special, two special podcasts coming up, which will be in relation to the Kickstarter as well. So yep. that will be fun as well. Very, very much looking forward to that. All right. Um, let's move on. The, um, the next item of news here is the Cy Barry print that, um, I guess is the new one. I don't know. I guess we haven't really talked about this and, cool. and let me know. Is that, um, glossy or glary or whatever guys? No, that looks pretty good. Perfect. Um, so this is the, uh, the Cy Barry print that has become available. It's a, um, 14 by eight, I think is the, the inch dimensions. It's a bit under a three in, um, I guess a more global scale. Um, so Cy has these available on his uh, website. 
and uh, the other way that um, I, I would encourage, you know, personally, of course, I would encourage Australian listeners to um, to contact me personally because I do have a number of these that I can send you um, with Australian postage cost only, not uh, not postage from America. So a bit of savings there. So, so how much are they? Uh, that's a that's a great question. I've been saying 150 Australian, but to be honest, um, the way that the dollars crumbled, uh, it probably should be. I yeah, get in touch with me and I'll let you know. But 150, 160 Australian dollars. No worries. How many got left? Um, well, Sai sent me over 25, so um, uh, one through to 25 of 50, and they're all signed and numbered, as you, as you might be able to see there. And there are currently, um, what's 25 minus 8? 13? Th- 17. Whatever, 20, 17, 25 minus 8. Um, left left at the moment. So if you're keen, there are there are numbers there um, that are available. So just get in touch, awesome. and um, we can send it your way. I do I do appreciate it's bad timing in the sense of the global economy and all the rest of it and people's personal yeah. economies. Um, but um, yeah, it is what it is. You're oh, keeping them safe. They're not going anywhere unless someone buys. That's them exactly right. Yep. That's exactly right. All right. Um, the next thing we need to talk about is little toys, <laughs> phantom toys. And this is how you know that you are in a, um, <laughs> a zone that nothing else matters. We can just talk about toys. Um, so we're talking about the boss fight figures who um, you may have heard from in episode 146, Seven. was it? Because we've had 147 released oh, since yes. my bullet. 146 yeah. was Eric Arana when we talked to, to the, uh, the designer of the boss fight toys so the release dates for that have been well the, the the proposed release dates for that have been announced and also the NECA toys um Jermaine do you want to tell us a little bit about those um well listen to the podcast if you want the release dates for boss fights uh and NECA toys are at the end of 2020 now that isn't an official official but they have kind of let it slip to us uh, that it is at the end of 2020 is what they're looking at uh, it to be released. And, of course, NECA is the Defenders of the Earth, which features Phantom, Flash, Mandrake, and Ming, and Lofa. So I think that's five. Um, so, yeah, so they're pretty cool. And that's the six-inch where uh, Boss Fights is the four-inch. And if you're interested and if, you, if you're wondering if size matters, uh, listen to Boss Fight because that is one of the Boss Fight podcasts because that is one of the discussions we talk about uh, the comparison between a four inch and a six inch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it raises an interesting point as a collector. Um, Boss Fight we talked about extensively and I think as a collector we'll probably get most of what they offer because it's very much in the Phantom universe. NECA toys, uh, you've just said, are the five different figures, only one of which is the Phantom. So... Uh, what I would definitely buy the Phantom figure. Probably get the other four. Where do you guys stand? I'd be getting the set if I can afford it. Yeah, all five. I'll, yep, yep. Yeah, I'll be looking at getting the set as well. Um, just I, I guess purely because every time I don't get the set, and then they become hard to get, I kind of regret it later. Later, so um, yeah. The chances are I'll be going to set, but you know today's today's economy and and today's society, you know, th- this is nine ten months away. So 
things will hopefully be different then, but you know, that's the plan, but whether it happens. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and we're still not mentioning the C word, but um, you know, it is going to have an impact and, and whether the end of 2020 remains the same or if we're suddenly looking into deep into 2021. But anyway, to watch this space, uh, I, I'm just curious to, to uh, know that, uh, you know, in this, in this time, how much money are you planning on putting away for these toys? We don't know what the price point for them or anything is, but uh, yeah, as I say, yeah, I, I'm a happy fandom collector and I've got very much, very little of anything else. And I don't have that, uh, yeah. that little part of the back of my head that sort of says, oh, you didn't get Mandrake and you didn't get Lothar um, that, that other people will have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess this, it, it'll be interesting to see, like, if there's a, you know, we are in communications with uh, Necker and we've discussed with them that we want to do a podcast with them and stuff. And, um, we, you know, obviously it's a larger company, so there's more people to talk to to try and get to where we were with Eric. It's just you talk to the boss and he's there. Uh, um, so it's a little, there's a few more hoops to jump through with that one. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting, I guess, just talking to them, how they plan to sell it, whether they are just figurines in a in a box or whether you can buy the set or whether they have extras and, uh, and stuff like that. I know they have extras um, and play sets with their Ninja Turtle range and some of their other ranges. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens or not. Yep. 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 Very cool. All right. Um, now, Steve, you are our go-to man on the next topic, which is the Comics Kingdom website. And um, oh, I know yeah. you check it religiously and um, you've actually put up a, a video for us recently on YouTube and, and written a little bit of a story that people can go and check out on chroniclechamber.com. But um, can you tell us, what was it two weeks ago you noticed something different with uh, the Comics Kingdom website? Yeah, it would have been two weeks ago. Um, so on a Sunday... Um, it's the only day that my local paper doesn't carry the Phantom and I get my local paper digitally like probably a lot of other people do and because of my job I get it very cheap digitally um, but on Sunday I've got to rely on Comics Kingdom and you know, I have done for the last number of years but um, a couple of weeks ago um, yeah I got on got onto it and realised or well, number one that the Phantom had gone is now under T for the Phantom rather than P for Phantom um, which is okay. I didn't mind that. I was just happy it was still there because when it was under the P, I had a, a, a slight little... <laughs> a little moment? <laughs> yeah, a little moment. I thought, ooh, hopefully it's under T for the Phantom. And yet, of course, there it was. Um, clicked on it and the, the Sunday came up in all its glory. And um, then I touched on the on the image, on the, on the actual comic to try and blow it up a bit. And yeah, it went in scroll form in a, in a vertical manner. And it worked. It really worked really well. Um, uh, there's times where I remember um, it's kind of tried to do it before and it got a little bit buggy and would zoom in and zoom out and it was a bit weird. Um, but uh, a fortnight ago and then again last uh, Sunday, I couldn't fault it at all. I thought um, it worked really, really well and it was very smooth and user-friendly. So... Um, uh, King Features with their Comics Kingdom website have um, have done all right with the Phantom on this one, and that's oh, that's you awesome. Can't always say, so yeah, that's right. So props where props are due. Exactly. Mm. 
Oh, that is fantastic. And um, we, we've been saying for a while now uh, that they need to make it, uh, you know, a readable in that, in that vertical format that people tend to scroll through on their phones mm. um, and, even, and even on Facebook on the desktop and that sort of thing, um, rather than having the, the, for want of a better word, the, the landscape version of it um, to to have that be able to be scrolled through at a larger size immediately, it would be pretty cool. Yeah, it's a heck of a lot more user friendly rather than blowing up the you know, you know the, the landscape thing and then you're moving it across as you you know click and drag type thing as you're trying to read it because you can't get all the panels in the same place. But yeah, to to scroll through it the way the way it's set out now, like I said, you can't fault it. It's been very very good. Excellent, very good. All right, well, great pickup, Steve, and, and something that um, Jermaine and I wouldn't have wouldn't have noticed because we don't engage with it in that way. But uh, there's lots of different ways to phantom, and uh, we hope that you all find your own way. Um, another way that you might find to engage with the phantom is if you're really keen on academic university level essays, and um, <laughs> you know, from, from from scrolling through your Twitter feed, throw it through to the right out the other end. Um, <laughs> Just recently, Robert Aman, who is a previous uh, guest of the podcast, and I've just been um, scrolling through my feed. 101. 101, is it? Yeah. Politics and the Phantom, that's right. So episode 101 um, was our, our guest then was Robert Aman, who is a Swedish um, academic who has really been investigating the impact of the Phantom um, well, I guess the connection between the Phantom and Swedish politics of the 1970s and the way that uh, uh, the left was rising in Swedish politics and the, the Phantom's influence and or um, Phantom, Phantom's influence on or the way the Phantom was influenced by, I guess, Swedish politics at that time. Um, and so that book is out now. Um, Jermaine, are you likely to buy the book? Um. I don't know, I might, but at this stage, I've got a few other irons in the fire and a few other little things. But um, I, reckon it, I reckon it might be something because I've, um, I've got the Kevin Patrick one and I've read parts of that and I've enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting discussion. Um, on Facebook and social media, it generated some interesting... And I will say I was pleasantly surprised at the adult... Uh, sensible manner that the conversation was with all involved because let's face it not everyone who reads the Phantom comic swings left um, so it was good to see some uh, mature discussions on there as well so it'll be mm. it's an interesting read the bits that I've read the conversations we've had with Robert on the podcast and elsewhere is interesting so you know maybe you know when you're in uh, ISO um, it could be an interesting road. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What about you, Steve? Um, are you likely to get the book? Are you um, ducking back to revisit the podcast? How do you engage? Um, yeah, I would like. Oh, yeah, probably go back and revisit the podcast would be a good one too. Um, but yeah, I'd like to to read the book. I'd like also to check out the Kevin Patrick. I actually don't have that one yet. I've been. I was meaning to get it, and then other things happened, and then kind of forgot mm. about it. Then I thought, no, I really want to get that and have a read of it. So. Um, and no stranger to the old academic essay, doing the masters and what have you. It's been a couple of years mm. 
So why not go and read another thesis? It's been <laughs> getting me back into it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I know that Robert is just delighted to see his work in print now. Um, he knows, and, and for those of you who don't know, um, when you produce a work like this, it's not for financial gain. Uh, there's no way, let, <laughs> let's face it, there's no way there's a market in the world big enough to justify printing this if you are just about trying to make dollars. Um, it's for him, it's just about getting his research out and read by more people and, um, being able to share what he's learned. And, um, he's just excited at the prospect of doing that and, uh, and, um, probably won't make a cent out of the book, uh, himself is my understanding. Yeah. He, uh, he made a joke with us that he was hoping he might, uh, get enough to, um, uh, to be able to shout himself some pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So anyway, if you if you're keen on that book and, and helping Robert get some pizza, um, then uh, head to chroniclechamber.com, scroll down the stories and find the one about the uh, the fan of comics and the New Left book, and um, the link will be there for you to see. So, um, all right, just uh, just on. quickly, if you're interested in the Kevin Patrick podcast, that's episode eighty three. Perfect. There you go. Thank you very much, Jim. All right, the next thing that we need to discuss is Phantom Wiki because it has um, done uh, the, the head in of a few fans just recently and um, even myself when I was going to look at a few things for preparation for our podcast tonight, um, I noticed that it wasn't quite behaving the same way that it should. Um, Jermaine, I understand you can share um, some news or, or a bit of insight on that. Yeah, it was down a couple of days ago for a couple of hours. Um, they needed to do an update, like a software update. Um, that's been done. There's still a few little bugs to go, um, uh, like some of the images are not showing um, and, and stuff like that. But it, it works. It's a little bit harder to use, um, but it, it works. Um, I won't say any more because I'm already putting Stephen to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and we could all hear it, Steve. Oh, sorry. I thought <laughs> all good. I'm in shadow a little bit. I thought I could get away with it. Well, yeah, no, throw no. you under the bus, mate. Remember, <laughs> I'm in the future. You guys are still in the past. I'm. <laughs> it's nearly midnight where you are, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll rock on. <laughs> um, all right, very good. So, uh, Phantom Wiki still works. Keep checking it out. The the data's still there. It's just uh, the pictures that um, are struggling for me at the moment, anyway. So. So don't don't stress too much about it. I guess is the uh, um, the, the message there. All right, um, we we're going to move on and moving to publisher news now and um, what might be coming up um, and what what is going on for various publishers. We're going to start with Mallon, who is the uh, the publisher in Australia of the calendars and the diaries that uh, have come out. I guess sporadically over the last twenty years. Um, which is, you know, two decades. That's a, that's a fair um, investment in the market. Um, and they're proposing an 85th um, anniversary edition of their Phantom Diary. We've posted a couple of stories about this online and um, Mellon have been sending out um, uh, emails to people who have suggested interest. Uh, I know that Stephen and Jermaine, you've both read the emails and, and seen the updates with some interest, I would think. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the proposed 85th anniversary edition of the Mellon Diary? Stephen, you want to go first? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. It's been a while since I looked at the, that. I'm going to go off the long <laughs> one there. Um, 
I remember we, we've discussed this oh, a while ago and we had a number of ideas. I think I even had a, had a few ideas. Did they go to her? I can't, I can't remember now. It's been they did, yeah. just that long ago. You, but you take your long run there, Jim. You, you'll be able to voice I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. I don't know much about it. Um, now, this is purely from a collector's point of view. This, this is me taking off my Chronicle Chamber hat and putting on my... Hang on. Oh, I've got a hat we need, we need a Chronicle Chamber hat. We totally need a Chronicle Chamber hat. That's got to be our next piece of merch. All right. <laughs> I've got my that way, th- that way on the YouTube, you'll be able to... <laughs> hat on. <laughs> I okay. want to see as on the podcast you actually take off your Chronicle Chamber hat. <laughs> <laughs> as a collector, I'm totally disappointed. Um, you know, they want to charge us... 100 to you know 80 to 150 to 200 dollars which is all well and good but for what they have proposed to give us it's not worth the money i don't think um you know i like the idea of the phantom history and we do that ourselves on our facebook and stuff like that and we have offered to help them with some of the information that we have but one double page for one decade is not enough. It's not enough. Oh, to no, that wasn't my idea. Um, <laughs> so it has potential, uh, but so far, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion as just a collector, uh, they, are, they are far than impressing this collector to be able to spend my money on something like that. I, you know, for the similar type of money, you can get a, a free hardcover book signed by all the artists for that 70th uh, free year, you know, um, that I would rather spend my money on that than this proposed book that Melon has produced. That's my take and that's my hat off. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, look, in there, we're not the ABC, but I'm going to try and provide a balanced um, a viewpoint here and come at it from the other angle. I'm actually really impressed with Melon in the sense that they're the first company and they've done it three, four months ago who are thinking about the 85th anniversary and are starting to, you know, at least publicly um, and, and maybe other companies have got stuff brewing along behind the scenes. We're not privy to. It's possible. Not everyone tells us everything. Um, but um, you know, publicly Mellon for about four months now have been saying, this is something we'd like to do. Here's some ideas and they, they put it together. They've never come out and said, well, this is exactly what it's going to look like. This is a proposed idea. Um, I hear what you're saying. If it was just um, a double page spread per decade, that would be disappointing. I thought they did but I say that. No, they, they haven't said I that. that. Okay. Oh, well, I stand corrected. I'm happy to be corrected on that. But I thought they did say that it was going to be a double page per decade. No, that, that's been proposed art only. And, it, and even if you look down the left-hand side of that proposed art, the, the dates, you know, they, it's, it's a bit lorem ipsum. They've got three dates and then they repeat those three dates and th- repeat those three dates. So it's, it's really just a layout of a page as much as anything is what they're showing us. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing more. I'm, I'm hopeful that we, uh, whether it's us as Chronicle Chamber, uh, whatever it is that can, can work with to... With, with Malin to provide those dates that make it a bit more phantom and that sort of thing, um, which I, I've said before many times, so I'd love to see in my phantom diaries and calendars, you know, to have all those phantom dates on it. 
Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see what they end up producing. But at this stage, um, you know, at least they're thinking about it. Fair enough. All right, I guess we'll move on then. Okay. <laughs> All right. Stephen, um, Stephen is sitting on the fence and you and I are on opposite sides. There's a shock. It's like nothing's changed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, well I, I'm, I'm thinking if they want me to spend 150 bucks, it won't be bloody good. Yeah. And, yeah, at the and moment, that, that, that is fair. That is fair. That is fair. Oh, hang on. Sorry. Let me put my, my hat back on. And at the moment, it's not. <laughs> there we go. Very good. All right. Um, the next thing we need to talk about is um, just just need to mention it because it has happened is that Fru have dropped the number of regular issues they are going to produce every year. Um, for a while now, they've been producing, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 28 regular issues per year, which has been always, I thought, an odd number because it's a little bit more than one a fortnight. Um, not, not much. Um, so mate would, would make the publishing schedule a bit difficult. And then the last three or four years, two, two, three years, they've, they've added all these extras, Kid Phantom, Phantom Wars, Phantom's World and, and Giant Size. Well, um, in 2020 through, no, I was about to say announced it. That's not fair. They didn't announce, but they sort of let subscribers know <coughs> through their letters that they were going to move from 28 issues per year of the regular back to 26, which is that one per fortnight. Um, yes. Thoughts on the new publishing schedule, guys? Well, it makes it regular. So, all of a sudden, you know it's going to be every fortnight rather than sometimes it's going to be a fortnight, sometimes it's going to be a week. So, mm-hmm. those people who like to just go to the – to be regular, I suppose, like every fortnight, that's fine. Um, I didn't oh, – you know, you'd like to have more Phantom, of course, but um, – they're not getting rid of everything. They've still got their, they've still got um, uh, giant size. Um, even though I think Fans World and Kid Fandom might be going away, but Giant Size seems to be doing all right. Is that? Am I reading that one right? Correct. Yep. Yep. Um, so, and then look, I'm not published, or <laughs> I guess you know we've published off the the bushfire pill, but that's a one-off. We're not in the publishing game, you know, for our for our livelihoods. Um, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of costs that's involved with the uh, with the with the comic, and um, if the readers aren't, pick, you know, if people can't afford the 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 comic every you know week or you know thirty or oh, used to be you know thirty something then twenty eight whatever um, plus all these extras then bring it back down. They've, they've had to um, raise the costs recently, uh, which we've spoken about, and so I don't know. I don't think we're going to be out of pocket too much. I think we're still getting a very, I think we're getting a top quality production and, yeah. um, and we can, what is it? It's 28 turn to 26. I think we can manage that. Hmm. Yep. All right, cool. Um, oh. <laughs> well, sweet, it, no, hang on, hang on. Uh, from a, from a, from a Phantoms fan point of view, I'll put my hat back on. Um, it's always disappointing when you hear there's going to be less comics. You know, that, that's something that, you, you know, you hear and straight away you go, oh, what's going on? There's trouble, there's issues, there's blah, 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 blah. Um, and so when I first 
saw, and we were uh, made aware of this by some Phantom fans who received their subscriptions. So when I saw it, and I guess when we talked about it, we thought, oh, hang on, what's to go with this? But um, not from a Phantom fan point of view, and actually from a Chronicle Chamber point of view, who, you know, we've talked to a through about this, and they've provided some wonderful insight, like uh, the fact that they've actually had people saying to them, you're producing too much, we can't afford it. Mm. Uh, you know, they have told us that if they produce, what, two less comics, it's likely going to be more graphic novels and trade paperbacks and stuff like that, which is actually going to go into the comic book shops and bookshops and stuff like that, which enables through to be able to, and also digital as well, because people are more likely to buy a, a bigger digital book than a single issue. So if that enables them to be able to make more money, yeah, you, you, you can't be upset with that. And it probably makes good business sense. And through the one thing I will give them credit for, and we've discussed this with Fans World and Kid Phantom, is that they're not afraid of making a hard call. Like they've cancelled Kid Phantom, Phantom's World, uh, the Kiwi covers. And, you know, so if something's not working or it needs tweaking, they do it. And you cannot fault them. That is good business sense. And mm. let's face it, they do have to make money. Otherwise, if they're not making money, we're all going to have to learn how to read Swedish. <laughs> well, absolutely. And, and look, um, uh, a double segue there. A, you know, this news came out a month ago. And um, today, as we stand, if we still get 26 comics this year, I think um, we've yeah. done all right. Because um, you know, no one, no one could uh, fault them really if, if things go wrong in the supply chain and we we get we get less than twenty six comics under the current and climate. The comics we're getting more comics than what we were with fruit with uh, under Jim Shepard. Like I looked at it, I think it was nineteen ninety one, I believe, is when we started getting thirty one, and I believe. It was 89 or 90. I'm going to have to go back. But from memory, we actually got 32 issues. And mm. before then, it was less issues. Mm. But we're getting better issues, more issues than that. Even, you know, we get an extra fall through giant size, which we'll review the latest one if we actually ever get there. And then we're getting trade paperbacks and graphic novels and, and stuff like that. And they're brilliant. Yeah. And by giving us less comics, actually giving us more Phantom. Exactly. Yeah, work that yeah. one out. That's great. All right. Well, um, yeah, it is what it is. It'll be what it'll be. And if we have to learn Swedish, as Jermaine says, well, at least it's the 70th anniversary of Phantomen this year. And uh, they are celebrating that throughout the year, or certainly that was the plans. Um, we're going to now cut to Mikael Lick, who we have um, uh, thrown to already. And um, he's going to come back now and tell us a little bit about his thoughts on Phantom Man's uh, 70th year so far. So take it away, Mikhail. So, after a quarter of the issues of this 70th year anniversary, I might give you my thoughts about it. If I have understood all the information correctly, the double issues are the only ones including newly produced stories. And with the issue 2-3 having the newspaper story reckoning of the Nomad, that means there will be a, at max total of six new Team Fantoma stories over the whole year, and the rest will be reprints. I would have loved some more newly created content, 
Last year was great, with no reprint whatsoever. But maybe that cost too much, I'm not sure, but this year is not as great. Which is a shame, since it is the 70th year anniversary. But even though I complain about the reprints a lot, I like that we get to see the previously only black and white stories in color. And there's a lot of phantom content in the comic books, with not that many side comics. But in the end, if a new comic book reader starts with issue number one, since he saw the anniversary and everything, you might get the idea that uh, Wilhelmson's stories, the, the stories that we print every day and all every year, and that's not a great first impression in my book. That's my thoughts about it at least. Thanks for that, Mikkel. And now, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the latest Phantomen comics to come out, number five and number six? Let's review these Phantomen comics. So today we're going to go through number five and six, seven of uh, 2020. Let's start with number five. It has a cover from Henrik Sahlström. And I realize now that both this and the cover from the last issue is a homage or remake of the Go cover that was on the comic where the Bertil Wilhelmsson stories were published the first time. So this first story is The Mysterious Passenger, a remake of a Falk McCoy story with the same name. The information stated in this comic book wrongly credits Tony DePaul though, but uh, that's just a... Uh, Error. I like it for the art in this one. It features a few images that have been used multiple times in Phantomen for promotional purposes. And the story is quite fun. Then there is another Falkenberry Sunday story. Again, in black and white. I don't have to talk about that once again. Uh, this is The Treasure of the Skull Cave. It's a really good story, but I like it more in color and I've read it so many times. Issue 6-7 of 2020. Action-filled, beautiful cover by Luca Arbata. And what's more, the first newly produced Team Fantomen story of the year. It's called in Swedish Den Hemliga Teatern DL1 Mannen med Silvernäsan. That translates uh, directly to The Secret Theater Part 1 The Man with the Silver Nose. This is a sequel to the Royal Murder Plot stories that was published in through 1161 back in 97. And it's written by Klaus Remerti and art by Kari Leppinen. It takes place in England following the second Phantom. And uh, yeah, don't want to give away too much of the stories, but uh, the Queen of England is there. And some characters that the second Phantom has met before, maybe even someone that's going to be related to him and uh, i noticed two times in this story that the speech bubble seemed to point towards the wrong character let's see if i can uh, find this on the fly and maybe not but uh, yeah hopefully that's fixed when uh, you get it in australia or if it gets reprinted somewhere else um, and then about the story, it's decent, but uh, I've talked about this earlier. I'm a bit biased against these kind of 
history stories because it's an actual event and it sometimes feels like Phantom is forced to do be part of it a bit on the side. Uh, but all in all, it's great to read something other than reprints, that's for sure. Then there's two Falkenberry stories, The Reef and The Masked Ball, both uh, dailies and reprinted in black and white. Uh, so better one than when they do the Sundays in black and white. Both are classic and great stories. I think most who listened to this podcast already read them a few times. But yeah, great stories. Not much more to say to that. And uh, in the back, there's some information about uh, issue number eight. Uh, another Wilhelmsson story, but uh, written by Janne Lundström. And another Falk Barry reprint. Happy Phantoming. All right. Thank you very much, Mikkel. And um, we so appreciate, again, as we say every podcast, we so appreciate uh, someone from Sweden being able to review the Swedish comics for us. And we'll talk a little bit more about um, other opportunities for other listeners as we get to the end of our review segment. So we are now into the reviews of the comics news. No, hang on. What do we do? News and reviews, news and comics, comics and news. We're into the comics section of the comics and news. <laughs> I'm all over the shop. So uh, we're back into Australia now. And um, through in the last, uh, since last time we recorded, have only released um, the two. Uh, we're saving Inked in Blood so that we can review yeah. that as, a, as a, a whole story. And I think people will understand that. Um, so we're going to start with... Um, the, the first of our two regular issues we're going to review, and that is um, issue 1860, The City of Horror, um, which has got this fantastic cover by Antonio Lemos, and you can see that if you're looking at our YouTube. And uh, that's the story that, of course, is uh, written by, well, it's the 1976 story by Bertel Willemsen and Orzak Erlap. Um, so it's another one of those early ones that uh, I guess uh, Robert Amann might refer to in, in his book, but we're seeing only for the first time now, 45, 46 years down the track um, in, and, uh, in English, in an Australian publication. Um, so I'll throw over to you guys. What are your thoughts on um, through 1860 City of Horror? The, well, the front cover, the, the Phantom, he's, he's holding his hands in a, in a certain... <laughs> Strange way. Is, is there anything you could um, shed some light on there? Yeah, let's go straight to that. Yeah, why not? Let's, let's go straight cover. to that one. Okay, uh, page six. It's good to see you're reading the notes there, Stephen. Uh, uh, sorry, of course. Was it supposed page, to come later? Was it? <laughs> no, it's all right. page six. Uh, if you're seeing it on YouTube, you'll see the panel of the Phantom holding a spear. Uh, when the tiger is attacking him, he's holding his spear. You look at the cover and there's no spear, even though he is looking like he's holding a spear. So we are led, we are led to believe that this cover has been stamped. So I, I, I don't, I don't to, to be honest, I didn't notice it too much at the start. So... Um, but when you look at the cover a little bit more detail, it's it's, it, it's glaring notice. But I guess when I first saw it, when I first picked it up and started reading it, I didn't catch it. But when I looked at it a little bit more detail, it's a little bit noticeable. So I don't know. Interesting about that. 
Yeah, so our, our understanding is that, um, that that cover image may well have had the spear in the Phantom's hands to begin with and then at King Features' end, they said that that probably wasn't appropriate. Um, and so the spear has come out. Um, at first glance... <laughs> not appropriate. He's got, a lo- he's got a tiger just about to rip his head off and he's there with closed fists. He's going to punch no, him he's in the ca- and it's just going to run away. If you, if you use your imagination, as you look at that picture, his left hand is coming up under the, the tiger's chest to lift it up out of the air and his right hand is cocked and poised, ready to uppercut it. And so we're going to have a tiger <laughs> unconscious in a moment with a skull fist on his jaw. And what's more phantom than that? Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's yeah. And needless to say, the fam's going to easily beat the tiger. He's got the strength of ten tigers. So yeah, one tiger, ten not, tigers, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One tiger's not going to pose him much threat. But anyway, what yeah. about the story? <laughs> I, I I enjoy the story. It's definitely a story of its era. Where and yeah. you know, it's a thirty-five. Is it a thirty-three or a thirty-five page? Yeah. For our story, thirty. Yeah, yeah, thirty-four. Um, and so it, it, ta- it takes longer because it's more pages than what the modern day stories. There's more panels. Um, but I, I enjoy it, you know, um, you know, it, it's a different type of story where you've, you know, in some sense, the Phantom kind of takes a bit of a, a backward step in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I enjoy the story. It's probably not going to be one that I will probably rush out to read a million times or, you know, maybe even 10 times, but um, I enjoyed it. Uh, John Bull, who, AKA Norman Walker, is one of my more favorite um, writers. So um, it's, you know, it, you know, I enjoyed it to be able to read some more of his stories as well. And there's a bit of a, um, um, alluding to the old the Girk, tri- uh, Girk twins, I think I'm getting mm. that right. Um, you know, going into the bar and roughing the joint up, and then the mm. Phantom just having none of it and sorting them out. Um, but a bit of a twist when the lawyer gets involved, of course. Bloody crafty mm. lawyers. A bit of uh, wharf rats as well, with people um, roughing up the places and stuff like that as well, and, and off right. section. I thought the I thought the whole thing was a bit if if I can coin the phrase I thought it was all a bit forkish um, the whole thing and you you guys have named a couple of stories the reporters was the one that sprung to mind for me um, because we've got Harry and Kathy as these two really enthusiastic um, journo's in this case who are, are going off on a story um, you know going places where they've got no experience or, or ability to be able to navigate but the Phantom saves them and that sort of stuff so. Yeah, um, really in the, in the whole guys as well, which yeah. is a, a McCoy element. Yeah, so the the whole structure of the story, even from the bit where it's a little bit of he's in the jungle and meanwhile in the city, this is going on. So the structure of the story and the characterization of the um, the various players in the game, I suppose, um, was mm. very Lee Fork for me. So um, yeah, from 1976 in Sweden, it was it's interesting to see how close they were still sticking to to Lee Fork's um, basic ideas and premises. <laughs> Jermaine liked that comment. You could tell by the look on his face. Um, oh, any excuse for him to try and uh, throw him a little barb. <laughs> um, I enjoyed the story, but much like Jermaine's, um, I don't think it's going to be on my, on my most read list, but um, it was an enjoyable story. Yeah, and I'm glad we got it in English. 
Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. To get these stories in English. I think it would be disappointing if we never got to read this story. Yeah. And, and I thought there were some really cool little artistic in, um, efforts by, by um, the, the crew, Willemson and Olap. Um, the reverse silhouettes that we saw, and I'll probably hang on, just hold them up. So on page 13, I've noted, um, and again on page 17. So that, that, that's an example right there of, I guess, what I'm calling a reverse silhouette. Um, and also just the shadow on the Phantom's face on page 21, 23. Um, you know, it's, there's, there's some cool little images in here that, that could make good um, stickers or posters or whatever in their own right. So, uh, no, I, I quite enjoyed the book. Awesome. Cool, cool. All right. Um, let's move on then to issue 1861. And this is, um, this is an exciting story or, or one that I think lots of us were looking forward to in terms of its arrival in Australia and its publication by through because this is the Golden Eagle story um, that um, very famously had the Phantom beating up bad guy with the rainbow flag in the Phantomman cover by Henrik Solstrom. And I'm sure Jermaine will hold that up in a moment. I don't have a copy of it. But um, this is the Golden Eagle um, as it appeared in Australia. And again, it has the Phantom. Um, in this case, we've got the cover by Luca Oberta, who, who again contributed to the Bushfire book. And this is his second cover for Fru after the... Um, uh, the ape one last year. I forget the name of the Pit story, of but um, sorry, Pit of, Doom. Pit, of Doom. Pit of Doom. Very good. Well done. Um, so Golden Eagle by Luca Roberta, the cover, and again, it's got the Phantom advancing with the rainbow flag, and it was timed in Australia by Fru to be published a couple of days before the Sydney Mardi Gras um, Gay Pride celebration in Australia. So um, well timed by Fru, and um, and there and there's the cover. Um, so guys, um, I'd be really interested in a bit of your feedback as to what you thought of issue 1861, the golden Eagle. I liked it. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a fun story. It was a a fast paced story. Uh, it had a lot of, um, phantom elements that we're used to a lot of, uh, nods to past stories like with, uh, Carpathia that chick, which I, I can't remember the story that she was in, and I know it was it was in the story somewhere. Uh, Dirty Business One Six Seven Eight, um, she's down there. It talks about, but I can't remember her. But it makes me want to actually go pick up that story to go read it. Um, it's it's a fun story, you know. Always liked Alex Saviak's work. His work works well in black and white as well as colour. Um, and there's a bit of fun. Like, for instance, I like at the end when, um, when the girl goes, you know, that you find any reason to, to kiss me. And the fan was like, oh, no. And, you know, so there's a little bit of fun involved. And, and I, don't, I, don't, it was, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I'm not the only one who couldn't remember the female character. But I thought, oh, because I'm, I'm prone to forget characters if uh, um but yeah it's nice to know that the fellow with the encyclopedic knowledge couldn't remember <laughs> couldn't remember her either um but yeah she sounds like a or seems like a character who may be springing up a, a bit more often which well she's um seems to have a very good backstory and is interesting to 
to help a, a phantom adventure along. Um, yeah, like you said, the the bit of fun there at the end with the um, you know doing CPR, but any any excuse for a kiss, that type of thing. Um, and you know my thoughts on Alex Sylvia. Yeah, <laughs> you know my thoughts on Alex's art. Um, I think he's, if not the best, he's definitely in the top two or three, that's for sure, um, when it comes to phantom artists. Um, the the scene that everyone's, you know, talking about, or, you know, that got the big um, publicity, especially overseas, with the with the gay pride march and the, um, and the or the neo-Nazis, for lack of a better word for them, um, extreme right wing, um, worked in the story. It wasn't like it was just shoehorned in. It was very much um, a part of the story and flowed well, um, yeah. and which the whole story did, of course. Um, and, but I don't recall, apart from us talking about it, it, it really getting any much media airplay like it did overseas. Would that be no, right? Yeah. But then again, we've had, you know, bushfires and then we've had COVID-19 and then um, who knows what else has been going on to, um, to distract people from, from this. But maybe is, is it such a, um, is it such a head turner nowadays that, or here in Australia as it would have been over in Scandinavia? I, I, I don't know. Mm. I would have thought that they're, I thought they're reasonably liberal over there, but I don't know. I think now in Sweden, it didn't, it didn't, uh, get a lot of negative press, but it was more in Poland, which was in the original uh, Swedish version. I don't actually have my copy with me, um, but in the original Swedish version, it was Poland, which was the country uh, where these um, where the where the Pride Festival was being taken place. Um, and then I remember uh, if you listen to our podcast, uh, Mikkel Sol, we talked extensively about this story. And he said that if he had to have a regret, it was that he didn't change the story from Poland to a non-real country like Carpath- Carpathia. I, I reckon he actually named Carpathia uh, yes. in the podcast. Um, and so I reckon that's probably one of the reasons why it doesn't get as much attention. Plus, it was probably a slow news week over there. You know, we've had a lot of stuff over here that's been getting a lot of attention lately. Um, but I think that changing the country from Poland to Carpathia was a smart move. I agree. I think that um, that took the heat out of it in terms of being um, accusatory at another country, which certainly yeah. um, the right wing of Poland certainly felt that it, it was attacking them. So um, uh, it's interesting... Uh, I feel like I'm going to disagree. I hate, I don't want to come out and be the disagreeable guy, but I was just so disappointed with this story. I honestly was. Um, and, and I took into it, Peter Anderson had said on social media, hey, don't get your hopes up with the story. It's, it's not as good as you might hope for. And I was, and I, and I was hoping for a, for a good story. I was, I was hoping for a story that matched the cover. Um, and while I'll put it there right now, I think, um, on balance, that Salstrom's cover was more dynamic and more um, engaging. This is the the fruit cover. I think the pastel cover, the, the pastel colours um, dilute, and the fact that the red of the flag is into the red fandom, and 
it just all seems even the purple is down with the purple outfit of the flag. I, I just think that the whole thing is a bit diluted. And I, and um, that said, I think that the as a double spread, and if this was ever made into a um, a poster, I'd certainly be keen on it. But I just think the the vibrancy of the of the rainbow was lost. So that's that's a criticism. And then the story. Uh, <laughs> Everything that you said about it, Jermaine, I probably disagree with, to be honest. I didn't oh, think that it was a very... I know. <laughs> I know. But I just... I didn't think it was a very good Phantom story at all. I thought that um, if you... And, and here's what I thought. If this was the first Phantom comic you ever read, what message would you take away about the Phantom? And to be honest, you wouldn't know anything about the character because the fact that he's from the jungle was mentioned once on page 15 in a, you know, I'll go back to the jungle with your monkeys. Um, so other than that, you've got no idea of the, the heritage of the character. He's getting, you know, and he doesn't involve himself in the love interest who tries to throw herself at him like a martial sister, and that's fine. Um, but he doesn't say at any stage um, or, or even think, oh, Diana, I'm married or I've got a girlfriend or anything. So that's not part of it. Um, I thought there was heaps of just convenient moments in the plot that let them go from page to page and let's keep the story moving, even though this actually makes no sense that this might happen. Um, I, yeah, I, I was really disappointed by the story. And, and I apologise to Philip Madden, who's the, who's the author, but if you're going to listen to reviews, you've got to hear negative criticism, I suppose. Um, I liked the artwork, but I just thought, that's, yeah, I thought the story was... <laughs> Do you think it's purely because you've been waiting for this story for the last year and a half, two years, and there's been so much hype and stuff like that? So it's, in a sense, has made the story more than what it was actually originally intended to be, which was a, a story and not a political statement. Yeah, quite possibly. But it, it, it sort of, in one way, represents why I don't like Swedish or Team Fantaman stories as a whole. I thought it was the dialogue. There's so much dialogue. Like you could halve the dialogue and, and still have a readable story. Um, you know, it's just so over the top with the narration and the, um, the amount of words you've got to read to try and understand the story. And I guess if I put, uh, you know, I've done a lot of editing of um, creative stories lately too. So I've probably got that whole hat on, as well as we come to the towards the end of term, um, and I'm going, oh God, you could you could take half this dialogue out and and have an effective story that was easier to read too. Yeah, you're changing my mood Which, now, Dan. I'm 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 leaning towards your side. You make it. You make a. You put forward <laughs> a strong argument. But there's a lot of like there's a lot of heavy a lot of heavy text on like page twelve thirteen. So just for the YouTube mm. viewers, they can see that. But then you've got the action pages, you know, like 1617. You wouldn't say that's heavy in copy. No, um, I, just, I just felt like yeah, there was about six, five, six action scenes that the artist had in, uh, the, sorry, that the author had in mind and he leapt between them and there was some really flimsy connections between this bit of action and the next bit of action. Like, okay, the the Phantom um, takes down a motorcycle rider so that he can ride away from the Gay Pride Parade and down to the river to chase the bad guys. Um, 
he kicks the motorcycle rider off his bike so he can steal the bike. Is the motorcycle rider a bad guy? We don't know. The Phantom doesn't know. He just steals a bike. You know, to me, that sort of thing is not Phantom. That's, that's oh. um, you know. Yeah, but the so, Phantom's been it, borrowing, the Phantom's been borrowing yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, and no. stuff like that in many stories. So, I, yeah. I, you know, like if it was in a... He, he kicks the bloke off his bike and knocks him to I'll the give ground. You, I'll just give a you the bit about the kicking bit, but, you know, the bit about stealing a bike or, or borrowing a bike or whatever, that's been, you know, and borrowing stuff that doesn't belong to him. Yeah, that's, there's the difference between borrowing been, and stealing or whatever. Well, not really. Uh, that, that's been used in a lot of fork stories as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I can think of several at the top of my head. Um, you know, where he and, and that's and, and that's kind of my that, point. So. It, it's close to it's trying to pay homage to the original Phantom, but just misses a little bit. Like there's opportunities, and there is a line in here about um, oh, I can't remember now what it was, but the one of the characters says something about that. I thought, oh, if that was Asterix, and down at the bottom said Old Jungle saying, you know, so it's close. It's really close. Yeah, to, I wonder you know, if it tries. more of a. I wonder if like adding in jungle sayings and stuff like that could be more of a, a fruit or an editorial thing rather than a actual writer. Type yeah, if, if you're trying to write a phantom story, you should include an old jungle saying that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. And I'll take your point. But what I'm saying is that, you know, an, an editor and you would know this an editor, you know, and we've, we've talked with many writers and they tell us about, you know, like they look at, the story that they've written, submitted, and then the story that they get. And there's always editorial. You know, that criticism, which you've said, is probably just as directed towards the editors as it is probably the writers because the editor's job should be making the story more of a... um, more of a phantom story, I guess, using your terminology. Uh, Absolutely. Adding a a jungle saying... um, after he gets kissed by Camilla, it says, yeah, the Phantom says, Camilla, stop. You know, and then maybe yep. it, a, a quick sentence could have been, Camilla, stop, I'm married. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly blah, blah. right. Yeah, no, so, you, you're right. I'm not, I'm not a, entirely directing this at Philip Yeah, Mary. You're right. The editor's, it, it's a package. And I guess yeah. Philip's the one who's got his name on the, um, yes. the writing credits. But you're absolutely right. It's, it's um, the final package that I'm having to look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's, yeah. And I, yeah, no. Look at that. Yeah, it's bloody good. Disagreed though. and then we agreed at the end. Let's move <laughs> on before end. we choose something <laughs> else to disagree on. And, and the art is, is great, as you say. Um, do we want to, oh, I'm not interested. <laughs> you, you might be interested. Do you want to have a talk about Heart of Darkness, um, part six, chapter six, no, or we're up to? No, no, no. Let's move on. Okay, good. We agree it's on another already, thing. It's already quite long. And okay. I, want to get my, I want to get my phantoms hat out again. <laughs> All right. Um, so we move on then to Phantoms World number 11, um, which is, is this one here. Um, the film, a, a film end cover with a, um, a demon or a vampire or whatever it is on the front there. Magoo. With the Phantom and- His name's Magoo. Is it Magoo? Well, no, it's not. Magoo. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're right. It, it, it is a cover directly related to the story, which is the haunted castle, um, which is Felming's 
take on um, this 21st Sunday that was produced, um, which was um, Ray Moore's last Sunday, it should be said. And, um, and it would seem that Ray Moore probably only, for, only drew the first maybe page or two yeah. of the original wow. Sunday there before Wilson McCoy was taking over. Um, the, the very next Sunday after the Haunted Castle, the 22nd story, was accredited to Wilson McCoy. So this was the one that, uh, that uh, Ray took over. And, uh, sorry, Ray stopped and Wilson McCoy took over. Um, but it's been redone by Wilson McCoy, uh, sorry, by Phil Mang <laughs> in Phantom's World number 11, um, as well as having some other couple of stories at the end. <laughs> sorry. And, and if you've been... Oh, look, if you've been able to follow all that, you're doing better than I am. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think we will do a post or a social media post or an article um, looking at the two versions between um, when Ray Moore and Wilson McCoy, when Wilson McCoy took over Ray Moore because it's, it's interesting looking at the little subtle little differences which you can tell. So, but, um, so yeah, watch this space. We will discuss that in a later path. But, um, yeah. I enjoyed this fan as well. It's the last one we're going to get, which I will admit I'm a little bit disappointed about because uh, I have enjoyed the concept, but I understand it not being popular and it not being to everyone's taste because the story quality isn't always the best. Um, so yeah, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mind it. I, I enjoyed this story. Um, I've had this conversation. I can't remember if it was with you guys or with someone else on Facebook. Um, someone questioned the reasoning behind modernization of these old Lee Fawkes stories. And the I way think, I, I think, personally... Well, whether, whether it was with us or with other people, it's a valid question because mm. um, we've seen this story. It's been produced by through only only three times is my understanding um which is pretty remarkable for through to only have produced this story three times <laughs> the um, original story the original story yeah. exactly by by Moore and McCoy um and here we are seeing it again what what are your thoughts on the value of an old Lee Fork script being reinterpreted not reproduced it's important to say because the dialogue of the story is different um it's been reinterpreted by filming in this okay. case. I've got my Phantom Collector's hat on. <laughs> now, when, when Filming and Elf Granberg first started doing this, it was the early to mid-1990s, right? Now, I was a, a young, a younger, impressionable, early new fan. Now, I didn't always... I've, as I've gotten older, I've appreciated Wilson McCoy's work a lot more. I didn't always appreciate Wilson McCoy's work when compared to uh, Cy Barry, Ray Moore, and then the European artwork. It was it's chalk and cheese. And so when I read those stories, I got a, a greater appreciation for those actual stories than when I did when I read the originals in the Wilson McCoy artwork. So I personally think from a, a fan's, fan's point of view, who someone who may not be reading those stories if you were like me or for whatever reason this type of stuff can give you a greater appreciation for uh lee fawkes some of lee fawkes stories 
especially the poor drawn stories like the twelve, like um, Queen, no, not Queen Samaras. What's the other one? Uh, Mermaids of Merlo Straits. That was a really poorly drawn story. And then when Filmang uh, redrew it, it brought a, a greater, fresher retake of it and makes you appreciate the story a lot more. All right. Well, that, that's the idea in general. What do you think about The Haunted Castle as a remake? I enjoyed it. I have one big criticism, um, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but well, I enjoy, let's I, hold off on your criticism. Let's hear, Steve, what did you think of The Haunted Castle as a remake? Uh, you're not going to like this because um, I, I was waiting for you guys to. I was waiting to hear your reviews. <laughs> I was going to see if I was going to read it or not because Phantom of the World, um, like you said at the start, there, fellas, um, hasn't been everyone's taste. There's and some mm-hmm. of the stories have been quite poor. I, like I've bought it every time it's come out, but to say I've been um, rushing to read it uh, would be a lie. Um, mm-hmm. And after, you know, Felmang's a fantastic artist. There's no denying that. I own some of the artwork. It's of his artwork. It's great, um, but his stories um, have not been as good as his artwork. And so when I saw that, I, I, I totally missed that it was a leaf bulb thing. All I saw was Felming a Felming story. I thought, oh, shit, he's written another one. Um, oh, let's see what you guys think first before I read it. Um, and mainly because I'm time poor at the moment. And okay, well, yeah. after we've uh, talked about it, you yeah. can let us know whether you're now going to read the issue well, or not. I've already decided, well, once you've told me that it was based on Lee Falk, now I want to read it. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll make the time a bit sooner rather than later. Can I, can I make a case for the negative then? Go for it. <laughs> you didn't like I, it, mate. I did not like it. Um, it's I, a to see. Yeah, I, I found it drawn out and I found it um, that, okay, I, I started um, doing a check against the original and that really just bore into uh, mind for me <coughs> why um, this didn't work for me. Um, it, takes, it takes five pages of this story before you get to the end of the first page of the haunted castle in terms of the original Lee Fawkes story. Um, Lee Fawkes original haunted castle goes for 20, let's just check this to make sure I'm right. 22 pages of a through issue. And this is back in 13 issue 1393. It takes 48 pages. So 48 pages versus 22. So it's more than double. And um, before you go on, is that because he's, been able to do do bigger panels and produce no, better artwork. The, the, yes. When when no, it's not. It's he's <laughs> he's added dialogue. The the yeah. dialogue of Lee Ford. So there's added dialogue, but there is no panel. There's like there's no replicated dialogue at all. There he's he's gone. Okay, here's the story. I'm going to rewrite it, and the dialogue is different. There's not a word. Oh well, there's probably words. There's not a sentence that is repeated from the original into the, into the new. Um, so I just, I just think that Fork, one of the, one of Fork's, um, why he's a genius was that he was able to tell a story succinctly and, and quickly and in an exciting manner. And, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't want to have a go at filming, but I just, I think the writing was overdone in this and he, any, drew it out more than needed to be. 
So the, the same, the plot is the same. And a lot of the elements are the same. But he, you're right, he has drawn out parts more. Um, but I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't, I will take, I will take your point that there were some parts that were maybe a little bit longer than what I probably needed. But I didn't think it was too drawn out. Um, and, you know, and that's reading it from a phantom's, wearing a phantom hat, a phantom's point of view, phantom reader, um, you know, who, you know, who, who does enjoy a good story and stuff like that. And, um, well, to, would, to be fair, you I don't would, have that only hat, mate. There, there are lots yeah. of us who are fan of fans who enjoy a good story. And this is, and, and I'm I just saying, bef- I would have liked it to be quicker. Yeah, but I think sometimes, sometimes, you know, it, it can be good. It can, it can be bad. I think a lot of it depends on, on, you know, outside circumstances, whether you're time poor or whether you can actually take a good hour to read a comic and stuff like that, whether you might enjoy it as well. So there's different circumstances in that. Um, I had a good half hour to an hour to read this. So I did enjoy it more because I was, you know, able mm-hmm. to use that time, but you know, that's, that's that, um, you know, I, I, I would say I would in, prefer... in rebuttal to that, when, when I read, when I read this issue, the fact that it's got a sticker on there, that's because I bought it. Oh, there's a sticker over here. It's because I bought it as I was about to go on a two hour t- train trip. And this was all I had to do. And I didn't yeah. enjoy it at the end of that. It's only tonight that I've gone back and checked it against the other, book and seen the, the, the page difference. So, um, yeah, look, I, I just, yeah, it, it wasn't as exciting because it is exactly the same plot, but it's take, it, it takes twice as long. It's, it's like taking a, a half-hour sitcom and trying to get a, a one-and-a-bit-hour telly movie out yep. of it. It just it didn't work. <laughs> and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And some people enjoy it and some people don't. Um, do you enjoy What about the concept, though? You haven't really answered that question. Do you like the concept of uh, certain stories being redrawn? I don't mind the idea of it if it's, if it's done well, but I... Um, wouldn't say I've seen it done well. What about the Samaras one and the Mermaids and Merlot Straits and some of the ones that Elf Granberg and Felmang did in the 90s? Because they're, it, you know, they're the ones it, that it, most people refer to. won't shock you to hear that the first time I saw it was um, in the newspaper or the, the newspaper version and, and that remains my favourite. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Mm. So the first time I saw it was the remake, and I prefer the remakes than the original. Um, what about you, Stephen? Did you enjoy those original remakes, and do you like the concept of that? I like the concept, and for the reason that you said earlier about not being a, a total fan of the Wilson McCoy art when you're younger, um, yeah. I remember a conversation with my brother, who's he's a bit of a part-time artist, and he thought that the Wilson McCoy art um, was quite simplistic and, and what have you, um, whereas the the updated was more dynamic, more vibrant. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, as kids, you know, 20, 25 years ago or even longer now. Mm. Um, I've got to come to the acceptance that I'm turning old, that I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, this damn virus has, has postponed my birthday party. Bloody virus, I tell you. <laughs> if, only it, if only it stopped you getting actually older as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but as, as a concept, I, I, I really, I don't mind, I, like I like the concept. I think it's a good concept um, to, to get people in. Um, 
and it's not a it's it's not a a new concept. But there's plenty of things that get a uh, a re a redo, and people might what you know. I'm thinking about TV shows and movies, and um, you know they they see the redo, then oh, I wonder what the original was like, and yeah, they'll exactly. have their preference. They'll have That's their preference. Point. They can appreciate. They can appreciate yeah. both, um, but they had their preference either for the for the remake or for the for the original. And being the the fan and fan that we are now, um, you do appreciate the Wilson McCoy art, but as a 12, 13 year old kid. It was probably the filming art that that got us in the first place, and it probably mm. helped that he um, knew how to draw a pretty lady. That's well, good. and that That's and good. that <laughs> that does raise the question because there's some pretty obvious um, additions, really, throughout the entire art, whether it's on the cover um, or throughout. I have no um, inkling at all, or, or or no hesitation in suggesting, I guess that um, Felmang did not initially draw Diana with an um, a elbow-length set of skins that also goes down to her knees. And Which is very she, practical in the, in the jungle. Well, it, it actually is. It, it may well be more practical. It's certainly what the Phantom wears is this skin-tight outfit. Um, <laughs> um, the, the Diana's got it from elbow to knees um, as basically a, um, a compression garment. Um, I don't think for a moment that Felmang drew her like that in the first instance. Knowing knowing Felmang's art uh, as we all do, um, he probably was a little bit more risque than that. Um, thoughts, guys? I wouldn't think. Uh, if you know, I'll, just, I'll just hold it up here. There's a really good yeah. example on page 23 of what that looks like with Diana in the um, in the under in the undergarment or the compression garment that I'm suggesting. And what her dress probably was like in the first instance from filming. Yep. That now I can confirm that it has been censored. If you look at my screen now, if you're on YouTube, you'll actually see a panel where whoever did the censoring actually missed Diana. And so you can actually see Diana in the final production of what the dress length and stuff like. What page is that? that if we're not on YouTube. That, Page is crikey now. I've got to find it. It is page forty-one. So it's the second or the, the third panel. You can actually see Diana in her, um, and and it is fair to say that uh, that in the original, Wilson McCoy did draw Diana in a very similar style outfit. Um, yes. I we yeah we can confirm that. Um, that this story has been censored from the front cover onwards. Well, um, censored, <laughs> we could get into another debate. Okay, yeah, hang on, <laughs> let me, we'll, we'll quickly discuss that. Um, now, now, we can also confirm that if you're a Patreon uh, at a $5 level, um, if you access the Phantom Preservation, uh, wait, watch the next update on that because you'll be able to see what it originally looked like. Now, I guess the question that I have for everyone is, is this a sensor or an edit? Now, I personally think it's a sensor because it was drawn and then from what we understand and what we can gather reading between the lines, he was then asked to change and make Diana more modest. And so, in my opinion, that is a censor. Uh, Stephen, what do you? Th- where would you classify it as an as an edit or as a censor? 
it sounds like a very conservative editor. So would you classify it as a, a censorship or more of an edit? Um, an edit, a, a, a conservative edit, edit rather than a censor. It's not like she's covering up, you know, anything that shouldn't already be covered up. It's, but there is one or two panels where you see, um, well, it's, it could be debatable whether you see anything. Like, for instance, on page six, um, you see Diana riding on the horse. That's probably the one, in looking at the, what we see in front of us, in looking at that, that could be the one type of uh, panel where, it, in my opinion, it could be an issue. But apart from that, I couldn't see, and I read it once, spotted it straight away, and then I've gone back and looked at every panel. And, um, and that's probably the one panel that it could be argued that the dress didn't need to blow up that much. But in every other, in every other panel, I, you know, personally, and I'm, I've always been very, uh, on my high horse about this. I've got daughters and, you know, and stuff like that. Um, but apart from that one panel, I couldn't really see anything else that, um, was too risque in a sense. Mm. Is there someone oh. near King Features or someone, if we're getting rid of spears on front covers and, and putting jumps yeah. on, on Diana, who's never really been that type of person. She doesn't, her character isn't that, well, she, she's a nice person, but being overly conservative where she's going to be wearing a, a, a bodysuit underneath her, her short dress doesn't shout to me Diana Palmer Walker. It's a good question about whether there is someone new there or not. We don't know. Um, but before we get onto that, we do need to we do need to let Dan at least answer that question. Um, so, Dan, mm. where do you sit? Is it a censor or an editor, and quickly why? Oh no, it's one hundred percent an editorial uh, decision by King Features. It's not a censor because, um, from my point of view or my understanding of the definition of the word censorship is that it's government imposed or it's coming from um, uh, of an external body, whereas this is King Features who are deciding how the Phantom and the Phantom Universe should be represented, and, and that's entirely their right because the Phantom is their intellectual property. Um, you, you've raised page six. I'd, I'd also go to page 13, for instance. I think there's about three panels on there. Where um, the where Diana's um, top is a bit. If there was no undergarment there, it would be far too low cut um, uh, to to be satisfactory, I guess, for a for a family panel uh, for a family, like a, family a, a true father of two of two teenage daughters. <laughs> well, look, you you've already claimed that um, yeah. you know being a, being a father of girls makes a difference. To be honest, to, to me, it's it's more about the boy because um, I've got a boy as well, and I don't want him to start objectifying women um, based on the back of a Phantom comic. Um, and and again, uh, and I guess this comes back to what I was saying earlier um, about the the length of the story, this is more than double. And we all know love uh, that Phil Mang loves drawing beautiful women. And I think he's used the extra um, panels to try and get some more Diana content. Um, as I said, it takes five pages for him to get to the fifth panel in the Sunday story. And it's all Diana content. And, and 
your page six is entirely within that 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 uh, that space. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an editorial decision because King Features owns it and they get to decide how the universe is portrayed. So it's a, it's a no-brainer for me. If he'd okay. drawn some type of different dress, would we have seen the knee-length um, the knee-length no. bodysuit with the arm? And the if it was, a long, or it was a longer dress or a, um, you know, maybe she'd worn a safari suit for a 2020 or 2019 version of this 19... 19- 48 story or wherever it's from. Um, okay. So because if, I, I hear what you're saying about the original costume. Yes. The yeah. original costume so in 1948 to, was very revealing. If they were to reprint that story, would they demand and ask a skivvy or an undergarments to be added to it? Or has it just been added because it's filming? No, it's been added because the original dress was inadequate. And so that was... But no, 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 I'm talking about... That was the easiest way of redoing no, the no, art. No, 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 that's not what I'm asking. If they were to reprint the original story done by Wilson McCoy, would they ask the edit slash censor to be added to it? No, because uh, when, when was the last... I've had a look through that story today, and while it's a short skirt and... It's, um, shorter, than, it's shorter than the one that... Filming. It doesn't. Sh- it doesn't show as much as what filming would have, though. There's no page six, if you like. <laughs> um, so, uh, I personally think I agree with you that they would not ask that to be re-added. And I personally believe, and this is as a fan fan, I personally think that they have objectified filming a little bit. And if it was anyone else, maybe it wouldn't be as risque or, or, or whatever. But I reckon he, I reckon he's been um, picked on a little bit here. Well, it's impossible to know whether they've looked at it more closely because it's filming, or they've just mm. looked at it closely and gone, "No, that's not good enough." No matter who the artist is. Yeah, and that's what I reckon it is. I reckon. Um, so, did you read the other parts of the story? The other stories. The other two stories, yeah, of course. What do you think of those? Yeah, they were good. I enjoyed them. Um, the, I, I'd like them as fillers at the back of a of a regular content mm. uh, of a regular story for sure. So, what about as fillers of, so say for instance, when Phantom uh, Heart of Darkness ends, would you be okay to see a couple of these type of stories thrown at the end, whether it's Oh yeah, for sure. That, I Whether think that's it's where they split belong. into two or, or or whatever. So you'd be happy to see that type of stuff. Oh, uh, split into two. I'm not sure. Uh, I guess if that was the only way they could do it, because they these are about twenty pages each, and, and if you wanted to, to produce them as a a two two part ten page each, yeah, that'd be okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. I I enjoyed. I probably enjoyed the second story the best because there was a lot of. Um, I like how like the Phantom kind of messed with the bad guys a little bit. Like while they were going over here, they went behind him and knocked him out, and and you know picked off one at a time and um and, and stuff like that. There was the mountain princes that were upset and at the Phantom and and stuff like that. So there was um uh you know there was some cool stuff. I thought it was kind of tricky on like on page eighty two. Uh, you know, they're, they're shooting low to get to the Phantom and the Phantom's already outsmarted him and, and is hiding high and stuff like that. So 
I enjoyed these stories. I would go to, as far as saying this would be one of the better Phantoms world, generally. Uh, it's probably not my fa- most favourite Phantoms world. I can't remember which one that was, but there was one that really spoke to me that I really enjoyed. But this would be probably my, out of the 11, will probably be in the top three or four of the Phantoms mm. world. Maybe that's an interesting idea for a future podcast, a, um, a retrospective of Phantoms world issues yeah. one through 11. And um, a bit of a discussion about that as yeah, a concept definitely. and which were their favourites. So after Phantom's World 11, the next um, fruit publication and the last fruit publication we have to um, talk about is Giant Size number 12. And that is this one here with the Glenn Lumsden cover. Um, the first, I think, uh, Giant Size cover that actually relates directly to the story as well. Um, so we've got the Phantom there diving with the shadow. And that, of course, is... Um, a scene from Death Dive Part 1, which is a, the, the Glenn Lumsden written and illustrated story inside. I think we've got um, a shadow story, an, old, an older shadow story. Then we've got Death Dive. Then there's a new shadow story by Jeremy McPherson. Um, Scorpius Chapter 17 through to 20-whatever, 4, and then some epilogues from Shane Foley to conclude the Scorpius um, segue. Uh, scenes that have been happening in giant size and then there's a raven story as well which i'm going to be up front right now and i didn't read because it's not phantom so um uh giant size 12 big book lots of stuff two phantom stories both new content um guys what did you think love it one of maybe the best giant size ever um can we talk about scorpius because i just thought i I get giddy and excited when I see it. So can we like do Scorpius first? Excellent. All right. What do you think of Scorpius? Mate, how awesome is that? Like I'm reading it and it's just like, oh, look, there's such and such. There's such and such. There's Queen Samsara. There's that person from that fan Lee Fork story. And it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then it's like, you know, there's, there's panels. Like, for instance, where was that panel? You know, this panel on page 58 where, um, which it's taken, it was actually a free cover and it's taken off Cyberry. So, you know, Shane Foley has fun creating this and this Phantom fan, hang on, where's my hat? This Phantom fan <laughs> has fun uh, reading it and like the whole time I'm going, you know, trying to figure out all the clues and this is how a Phantom crossover movie or, or whatever if they ever look at say doing like a you know a, a phantom movie and they want to cross it over with uh flash gordon or, or whatever this is the type of of plot it needs to be because this is better and it gives the the the, the other characters like the shadow blah 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 and all that are given the right amount of limelight compared to something like from marvel and stuff like that that, that stuff is not as good as this story in my opinion what about you steve um well with uh fans world i've said before that i haven't made time to read it giant size i made time to read um even so like um even with the podcast coming up uh tonight i made sure that this morning before i went to work i finished reading scorpius i'd only read up to about halfway i started getting a little bit drowsy and fatigued um, so I thought, no, I'm not appreciating the story as much as I could if I was awake. So, um, this morning before heading off to work, I finished off the Scorpio story. Like yourself, uh, Dan, I haven't, um, read the Raven story yet, but that's not because I don't want to. 
Um, it's just I uh, haven't had a chance to yet because I've been really enjoying those Raven stories. But um, the giant size has been a real surprise for me. I didn't think I'd be one for mm. that the stuff that's in it, especially after I think it was the uh, the first issue I think that had the Catman story right at the start and I hated it. I really did not like it. Um, Catman is in, in Scorpius and you know I still don't like him as much as the others. But he's um, not as bad. He's not as he's, no, no, no. Um, that, that's right. He's, he's, he's a good character. But um but but yeah I just it was just a blatant ripoff in, in that first issue. Um, but this whole issue, this whole giant's up well up to the Raven anyway, um, is very enjoyable. Um, the shadow, I like the shadow stories. I like the old ones, um, and the the new takes on the character by Jeremy McPherson um, with part three of Firebreak. I think for memory, um, I enjoyed it. But the the main the main story and of uh, Glenn Lumpson's story with with Death Dive, I thought was uh, really well done as well. But the highlight of this is is Shane Foley's Scorpius. Mm. Um, the way that he is. Um, he has set this story out. They've got the, got the plot working extremely well. He's got all the characters interacting as they should be, all, like you said, all with the right line. Like he must have all pages and pages of notes or you know, posters all around the room making sure they're all interconnected and, and doing all the right things there. Um, and the, the short, snappy chapters um, really work well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it keeps the plot, it keeps the comic flowing really nicely. Mm. Um, the 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 witty dialogue or the snappy dialogue between adversaries when they're sparring on the roof, um, it, it's great. Like uh, who am I talking? Um, Sir, Fal- Sir Falcon and um and um Kane. He you know he knows something's up, but he hasn't been able to quite pick it, and then gets completely surprised when when Kane uh, does what he does. It, it was quite and was I suppose we were, I was unexpected there as well. I thought he was you know looking for a, a secret trap door. Or you know some sort of booby trap, but um, but then he takes the plunge. It's pretty huge, um, and the epilogues at the end you alluded to the, uh, before, Dan, uh, really wrap up the story well. And not only wrap up the Scorpius um, story arc, but then allow for the next Shane Foley's ne- next story. I guess, for lack of a better word, we're going to call it the betrayed or the um, or the betrayers. Um, and we and we get Planet Man who who is yeah. um, been popped up in a in a, a few giant sizes. Um, so at first I thought um, with the symbol, uh, at first I saw the symbol and was kind of like from a distance. Um, I thought, oh, is that like the old Defenders of the Earth symbol? Is that is, have they really done up Flash Gordon's uniform? But no, it wasn't Flash Gordon. Um, talking about Defenders though, did anyone see another uh, Lee Falk creation sitting outside a bar? Talking to a certain hooded character. On what page? Oh, you've missed it. How could you have missed that? He's wearing a top hat and coat How, and cape. How the heck could you miss him? Whoop. Oh, yeah. My goodness. How the... On page 64. Very good eyes. There you go. On page 64. Now, how good is that? And... So, got Mandrake there sitting having a chat to the raven. Yeah, next to the raven, yes, yes, very good eyes. But that's the beauty about this is it's like you can keep reading it and reading it and reading it and you can pick up new things. Mm. Like, oh, well, just before we go on, the, um, the way he's done 
in the panel below the the Mandrake panel, where he's got the shadow in um, in costume, but the way he's kind of like ghosting the shadow just behind him, so you realise, oh, that's right, the shadow's in costume here, or he's in disguise as as this um, as this drunk. Um, yeah, that, so things like that are just yeah great, great ways of depicting it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and even the the words, like they're in those little panels without the images. Mm. So it's like you know, it's like yeah, there's a lot of text in that page, but you know, he he can instead of having a panel and drawing a person with the speaking, it's just the panel with the words. Um, and like, there's just things like, for instance, like when uh, Falcon falls off and he gets wet and he goes, oh, even lightweight armor is not good falling into water and. Or when he knocks out Kane and says, "You talk too much," and you know, and and it's just it was really enjoyable, and I loved the epilogues. Loved, loved them, loved them, loved them. They made it, and it, it, it's like you know we've all watched the Marvel movies where we you know go through the credits and then we wait to the credits and stuff like that. They were just that were re- it reminds me of that, and yeah, really enjoyed it. Hats off to Shane. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> off to, to Shane Foley. He's done a great job. Um, I'm left with two questions. Well, one big question: Who is the person on page 59 who's behind the um, the Baroness? So the daughter of the Baroness, I guess it is on page 59. You know, we are introduced to the Baroness again. And then there's another shadowy figure behind the Baroness. And so the whole time I'm thinking, okay, who could it be? Who from the Phantom's past could it be? You know, and I think it will be too easy for it to be Queen Samusa, who is the bad person that we're introduced on 74 and 75. I reckon it's someone else. And so I'm looking forward to that as well. What about you, Dan? You've been... um Quiet through the, through the whole thing. What what, what do you reckon oh. of the of the issue apart from I, the last Raven story because you missed that one? Yeah, no, I I liked all of the things that you said and the and the the page that Jermaine drew attention to here, which was the um, the, the old fruit cover, which is a model of a Cyberry. Um, I I love how Shane um, Foley even acknowledged in his signature there, and I'm not sure how much of it. Oh, I missed that. that yeah, just lower it a bit there, mate. Lower it a little bit. That, it, that it's modelled off Cy Barry as well. So, you know, he's he signed it but then said after Cy Barry as well. I, I really like that. Um, all, all of the little touches that you said. Um, look, as a whole story, Scorpius, I thought, you know, it's, an, it's a great story that a Phantom happens to be a part of rather than it being a Phantom story per se. Um, the epilogues really excite me in the same way that they have you, Jermaine, because I think they're drawing so many um, fandom characters from the past. And one of the things we've always said is that the fandom has a lot of really cool bad guys, but they, they come in for one story mm. and then they disappear mm. again. And what's being set up here is all of the, um, you know, what have we got here? Prince Orc, um, uh, um, uh, Raman, Sansama, all of these very similar bad guys from a similar time period um, all come together. And that it makes sense. And so I'm really interested in the next story far mm. more than I am in the story that we've just finished reading, which I guess is a, 
which is a, a cool thing for an epilogue to do as well. Um, yeah. So they, there's that story. If I go back to the other Phantom story, which oh, is hang on. Story. I've got a quick question with Scorpius before we move back to Gwen Lumsden's story. Could these short parts that Shane Foley does, could they work in a regular Phantom comic as a preview of what Giant Size is to try and get people who aren't buying Giant Size but reading the normal comics? Could that be used as like a, a cross-platform, a cross-promotional type of thing? Hmm. That's interesting. As someone who who gets both by default, probably not. But I'm talking um, about like actually, so stuff that we've not already seen in Giant Size. But let's just say the next part, whether it's <clears throat> Scorpius or, or or whatever, whether it's the Cobra. You know, we see a Cobra in the last panel. Whatever the the, the next part is, could and it's just a, a, a random thought. Could it be used yeah, as a... It, yeah, I guess so. I mean, if there was a two or a three-page chapter and then there's lots of those size chapters in the giant size Scorpius um, featured in a regular through and it said find out the full story in the next giant size and then the giant size included those two to three pages as well as continued with the story, you wouldn't want to have to go back and refer to, to each of them mm. um, to it's get just the a whole story thought. together. Yeah, no, yeah, yes, in theory it could. So, um, the Glenn Lumsden story, though, I, of the two, was my favourite. I, I really liked the Death Dive story. I thought that was a fandom story that the Shadow happened to be a part of, and I guess that's um, you know that goes back to similar to what I was saying earlier about um, um, the the other stories, the eighteen sixty. Which one was it? Uh, whatever. My, my, my point being that is this a Phantom story and if this was the first story that you read, the first comic they read of the Phantom, would you pick up enough about it? And um, the, the Death Dive story, that was a Phantom story with the shadow in it. So I really enjoyed that. I'm really looking forward to the second part. That does um, Glenn Lumsden's art is, is spectacular and I think that he as much as anybody of the modern writers has uh, understands what Lee Fork was trying to do. Hmm. So for those who don't know, this is actually the first story he actual story he has drawn since his mid nineties Marvel uh, mini series, which featured the 22nd Phantom. So he's done the covers as opposed and to images, covers and pinups and yeah. Yeah. And stuff like that. Um, now, just a heads up for those who are wondering, yes, uh, Glenn Lumsden will be on our podcast. He has asked for us to wait until the second part of Death Dives before um, he joins us as well, so we can talk about that story, as well as his Marvel story, which featured the 22nd Phantom. Um, I liked the story as well. I loved the... Um, I guess this is the beauty about... a. Th- uh, through creating their own stories is because they can create stories that works well in black and white. Sometimes when you get a phantom in story and then it, you know, they draw it for color and then it comes to a black and white comic for a free comic. It doesn't always look as good, but I've noticed that with Jeff Weigel, when he used his shadowing work and also with Glenn, Glenn, not Glenn, um, in this story, he can use the shadow to make it work better as a black and white than say 
a, a color story with the color stripped out, if that kind of makes any sense whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. All right. Um, we need to move on because it's getting later and later and later. Um, so that that's the end of the brew. Next time we get in touch for comics and news, we will Hang talk on. about Inked in Blood. Can we just quickly make mention of Nix? Okay. Who is Nix? Who is Nix? So I'm not sure if this has kind of been lost or, or whatever, but Fru are actually creating a new character called Nix, which is the daughter of a shadow. So a shadow seems to be a character that Fru enjoy. They've got the license, which means they can create this and they don't have to pay license fees, be under, et cetera, et cetera. So what I personally am interested that they have cancelled Phantom's World and Kids and Kid Phantom and then they're bringing out a new character. Now, I think that's a fairly interesting choice that, um, and I understand it from a business point of view because there's no licensing fees and there's no having to take stuff to be approved by King Features, which we've discussed earlier in this podcast that sometimes that can be problematic. But it's interesting that they um, are creating their own character. They're creating their own characters. And obviously giant size is popular enough for them to be able to expand the giant size universe, I guess. But I do find it interesting from a pure phantoms point of view that we are getting a, another character instead of the money being spent on phantoms world or kid phantom. All right. Well, I'll be quite blunt. Um, you, you're saying you find it interesting, etc. That's me care? being that's me being diplomatic. Um, no, and I'm I, and I'm being yeah, blunt as as a fan of fan, and I'll put and I'll put my Phantom <laughs> fan hat on now. Um, as a Phantom fan, um, do you care that? <laughs> I need a Phantom hat. Um, who to me? I'm not interested in these other characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my interest is secondary, maybe even third on a third level. So I'm, you know, I mean, I want through, I want through to be successful, but I'm, I'm not interested in these characters. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. And the, and the giants, you raise a good point. The giant size target audience is not just phantom fans. It's Australian comic fans. And there are uh, a lot of comic fan, Australian comic fans that enjoy Giant Size because it brings up all the, the legendary Australian artists. And, uh, and, you know, we had quite a good history. So, if, so if that's why they enjoy Giant Size, are they going to be at all interested in a new character? Well, I guess it depends. I, I guess I don't know. You know, um, I know Stephen's in the future, so he might be able to answer that question a little bit better than me. That's stuck in the past, back in WA. <laughs> <laughs> but, we uh, over here in the future are looking forward to this new character, Nixon, seeing <laughs> what's going to happen, especially being written by Andrew Constant, um, who did some fantastic work yeah. uh, with Kid Phantom, who I am very sad to see go, because I thought that was quality um, production all around. Um, I can't, who, I can't remember who the artist is off the top of my head. I'll just put the comment Ivan on Rodriguez. Um, yeah, Brazilian. What's he, uh, Brazilian? Uh, well, where would we know his work from? 
Uh, Supergirl, and he did some other stuff for Dynamite, which I think was Red Sonia or Vampirella. So he's got some some runs on the board, which is good. Um, And yeah, Andrew Constant, which we know from Kid Phantom, and also he's got his DC work as well, doing The Demon. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with Nyx. Um, they put it forward for a little like, mini series. I'd be happy with that and you know test the waters. Um, and once again, you can't begrudge Drew. Uh, Drew can't begrudge through for trying something new. Um, Giant Size is obviously working for them. Let's try add something in there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, then pull it. Um, but yeah, at the moment, this fella is um, interested to see what happens, mainly because. I've come to like the, the shadow. And like I said at the start, I didn't think I was going to like giant size. I've ended up liking giant size and, li- and mm. liking these characters. And um, so, yeah, let's see what Nick's does. Yeah. I'm very similar in the same boat, but if I am again, just wearing my phantom hat, I'm a lot like Dan where we really don't care. We'd rather see more phantom, but from a <laughs> business point of view, so phantom hat off, for, so from a, a business point of view, it it does make sense. But I just thought it was worth raising it because we see Phantom titles being cancelled and then a new non-Phantom mm. title being introduced. So um, yeah. I, I thought... Is it being introduced in Giant Size or is it going to be her own standalone comic? Don't know. Don't know. Oh, my my take on it was that giant that she'd be introduced into a giant size. I might be wrong, but that was that well, was actually, my. No, it says issue one out soon, right down the bottom. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Well, so we'll see. If, if you're on we'll YouTube, see. you can see that we have posted that image up as well. So mm. yeah. All right. Um, so um, mindful of the time. Um, we will move on. And the last comic that we have to um, review is... Should we review it or should we do it as a standalone podcast purely because of the time? All right. Well, okay. (laughs) We can do that. Um, A question without notice. You can edit this out (laughs) if you like. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I I meant to actually say it before we re-recorded. Stephen, have you read Kennedy's Mission? No, I haven't got it. Okay, I've got a digital copy, so I'll re-forward it to you. Um, Because we've gone on quite a while and I... All right. Yeah. Okay, no worries. Sorry, I should have said something before we... we All good. All right. Okay, so that's been something of an epic um, review of (laughs) comics and news, probably longer than we expected when we sat down. But you know what? It's been a pretty... And, and, you know, I'm going to go blue here. It's been a pretty shitty week. And so it's just been really nice to sit down and uh, talk about stuff that has not been the crap that we've had to deal with on a day-to-day basis and, uh, and talk about fan of comics. And, and so we've probably got a bit more absorbed in the conversation than we, than we really needed to. So yeah. anyway, I hope as a listener, you've enjoyed getting absorbed in the conversation with us. <laughs> I know, we have. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephen's still sitting in the boot of his car and it's just ticked over 1am where he lives. Yeah, my, so my bottom's getting... It's a little bit uncomfortable now. I might have to just go <laughs> to the, uh, into the back seat from now on. It might no, be we'll, bit, we'll wrap it up. Darkness. We'll wrap it up. We won't make you sit there for very much longer. <laughs> I liked it when we go right. 
those one-hour podcasts that we started doing, they, they were all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember those. They have you good. noticed that they were only around when you weren't joining us, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you remember, I did the last one I led went for an hour, dude. Oh, okay. So, in other words, it's all Dan's fault. Fair enough. <laughs> I, it probably is. It probably is. Mostly because no. I, I'm too polite and don't interrupt and let you keep talking. There was a lot of divisive issues as well, which created a lot of energetic discussions. So, yeah, anyway, bring this baby home. All right. Man. Anyway, so look, guys, um, guys and girls, anyone who's listening to this, obviously you're a fan of fan. If you're this deep in and you're still listening, um, so we thank you very much for your interest. Um, if you are keen to support what we do, um, then please jump onto Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash chronicle chamber, or, or just go to chroniclechamber.com and look for the Patreon uh, link at the top of the page there. Um, there's lots of benefits, we think from being a Patreon, uh, whether it's being listed in the in the Bushfire book that we've just listed. We've talked about the card that is going to be a Patreon exclusive coming out. And of course, the Patreon, uh, Phantom, uh, sorry, the Phantom Preservation Project, the P3, uh, which is where we have a, a pretty large, it must be said, a digital treasure trove of, of Phantom <coughs> stuff that you can delve into. Um, you can do that if you're a $5 a month Patreon. Um, but certainly the way the dollar is at the moment, um, anyone who's a one or a two or whatever you can, whatever you can afford in the current climate, um, by all means, um, we, we absolutely appreciate it. And it means that we can keep coming, uh, keep bringing, well, whether it's quality content or not, we like it, um, <laughs> coming your way. So, um, there have been a bunch of new patrons jump on board in the uh, period of time since the last time we recorded. And so thank you very much to Terry Cray, Chris Sherlock, Eileen Herman, Guy Passant, um, Bonner. I, I don't. Uh, we don't have a last name for you. Um, thank you very much, guys. We do appreciate your your support. Um, there is the, that gift to be mailed out. So make sure that if you're a Patreon, that you update your um, uh, your postage details, or if you're new jumping on, make sure you fill those out for us. Um, we do want to spend a, send a special shout out to a long term Patreon and a massive. Um, you know, a quietly behind-the-scenes member of the, the Chronicle Chamber family, um, David Buds. He's um, one of the administrators with us on the Phantom Collector page on Facebook. And David is a, uh, you know, a long-term Phantom fan and someone who's been a friend of the podcast and a friend of the group uh, for many, many years. And we love catching up with him every time we go to Sydney for the Supernova and Leaf Hawk Memorial Bank Gallic Explorers Club dinner. Uh, David hasn't been well lately. He's... Um, got his battles and um so just david if you're if you're listening to this um a hearty shout out from from all of us here at chronicle chamber and i'm sure that steve and jermaine are joining with me on that one yeah. get well soon buddy and good luck i well, made all the best so um if you're um if you're listening to this i'm sure you're aware of our website chroniclechamber.com for all of your phantoming needs um if you'd like to have any input onto the show or anything else that we do chroniclechamber at gmail.com is uh, the email address that you need to be using. Uh, oh, we're on across all of the social, oh, well, sorry, the social medias that uh, 35 plus year olds are able to use. Uh, we don't have a TikTok <laughs> account just as yet, but anyway, on Facebook we're Chronicle Chamber. <laughs> Hang on, Steve's renegading. Oh, have you seen that? Do the kids at your school do that? Of course oh. they do. Oh my goodness. Your own yard <laughs> the kids in my family do that. Yeah, my kids aren't old enough for that yet. You're there on yard duty and think, what the hell are they doing? And then it's all this TikTok. <laughs> they anyway, there's worse we're, things. We're not, <laughs> we're, 
we're not on TikTok just yet. Maybe when Angus grows a little bit older, he might take charge of that account <laughs> for us. Because there we go. Anyway, we're on Facebook at the moment, chroniclechamber.com. Uh, we're also, as I just mentioned, um, admin of the Phantom Collector group, if you can search. We're on Twitter at chronicle underscore tweet or on Instagram at chronicle chamber. Um, so please check us out in any of those platforms. You can subscribe if you've enjoyed what you've listened to. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or any of the other um, uh, iTunes, oh, sorry, any of the other podcast apps um, that may be available to you by your Android platforms or whatever. So um, thank you very much for listening to us tonight. Um, thank you very much, Jermaine. Thank you, Steve, especially so far into the future and the way that you've been able to stay up to uh, be part of the podcast, guys. Um, really appreciate having a chat to you tonight. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. And uh, everyone, happy phantoming. Happy phantoming one and all. Yep, absolutely. Happy phantoming, everybody. Thank you. Bye. I didn't give a plug for the bushfire book at the end. I should have probably done that. But that's all right. We said that right at the top. I'll just keep that in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> com to buy a bushfire book. <laughs> <laughs> Five hundred years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom, the ghost who walks. The Phantom, enemies beware. The Phantom's always there, but you won't find the Phantom. He finds.